No, it's not the Super Bowl halftime show, folks. We didn't come up on risers. It's not Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. It's Smith and Jones. But how good was that last night? I mean, I know we normally talk NBA and Raptors in the first hour, and we will for like 98% of it. But Jonesy, come on. How good was the halftime show last night? We'll get into the game later. We'll break down the X's and O's of the Bengals and the Rams and the Super Bowl champs from Los Angeles. But that halftime show and this tune kicking to start things off, how good was that? Come on. Come on. So good that Jonesy right now is speechless with how awesome that halftime show was. And I'll tell you what, to anybody that might be listening, including my brother, my blood, you are out to lunch. You are completely out to lunch if you didn't think that that was the greatest, not even just top three, top five. And listen, I am standing right now in my office staring at a framed photo of Tom Petty. Not even in the top five for halftime shows. I'm not currently wearing, but I think yesterday, yeah, yesterday when I went on my walk in the morning, wearing my Prince t-shirt, which was the previous number one. No longer. Bruce Springsteen, fantastic. No doubt. But number one all time, we saw it yesterday. And if you don't think so, uh, listen, I'll, tell you, I'll, tell, I'll, I'll scale back a little bit here. If you don't have it at least in your top five, I've got no time for you. If it's not in your top three, I'm prepared to, to, to really keep battling. And if it's number one, man, I'm fully embracing you. It's, it has to be, has to be in your top three. It must be in your top five. And is that your top five? You just made my no pineapple on pizza list. I might have to, might have to change my bio on social media and everywhere else to include, if you don't have Super Bowl 2022 in your top five minimum, don't even talk to me. Don't even talk to me. Jonesy, how awesome was that? I can't talk to you because I'm a pineapple on pizza guy. So, Although we've, we've had that established for years. So, uh, folks, tomato, tomato. Um, when it comes to the wheel, uh, it was, it was terrific. And, and like, you know, me, Eric, you know, me, I miss the, I miss the, some of the infamous halftime, uh, activities and, and stuff that people talk about. Cause you know me, I get up and I go to the bathroom. I go to the fridge at halftime. How many times do I sit in my seat at halftime? I, I mean, even the year that the Raptors won the championship, they had Flo Rida. And people were, I'm like, hey, yo, sorry, man. I got it. Mother Nature calls me. I, I'll catch a little bit of it when I'm, when, I'm, <laughs> when I'm coming back. But that was one of the rare times, one of the three times that I can remember. Uh, the other most recently being George Clinton at, uh, at uh, the Palace of Auburn Hills. That I sat down at halftime and got gassed up for the halftime show. And was literally up dancing at halftime like you know that dance like nobody's watching i was doing that and there was no camera on me and where i was watching so it didn't matter <laughs> i was mashing it man i was getting down i was grinding grapes man i could have made wine but it was to me it was one of the best and it, it took me into the whole thing with mike wilner's tweet our our, our, our colleague mike wilner tweeting about eminem 
taking the knee. And, you know, from the reports, he was told by the NFL, don't do it. As like in support of Kaepernick, I suppose. NFL, really? Tell the man not to do it? And you're the same ones? And I, I, I want to get back to your halftime show, Abe, but this was a rant that I promised yesterday on social media, so I'll deliver. And NFL, you're the ones that have the, the temerity to say, oh, diversity is at the core of everything we do. Really? Colin Kaepernick took a knee in 2016 to say, hey, can we do something about this? Nobody does anything. Four years later, they kneel on a man's neck in broad daylight in front of the world and kill him. And Colin was saying, hey, man, this is what I was talking about four years ago. And you guys are suspending me. You're saying my skills aren't good enough to, to get a job. That's subtle systemic racism right there, right in itself. And now you're telling Eminem, don't do it. But then on the other hand, on the other side of your face, you're saying, oh, diversity is at the core of everything we do. With a league that's 70% black, and you don't have a black owner. You got one black coach and you're talking to my black butt about diversity? You're joking me, right? You, you're joking me, right? I may be stupid, but I ain't that dumb. So there's no way you can tell me that. And you know what? I wish the NFL loved black people as much as they love the black culture at times. That mm -hmm. halftime show, E, was terrific. And all we heard about back in the day was, I mean, you're, that's your generation. It's a little bit... I'm a little bit advanced, but when it came on, it was like, yeah, I'm into this. Yeah, hip-hop, yeah, music, the, the, all, Tribe Called Quest. All, and everybody's like, oh, this will never last. No, this is, no. Mainstream wanted to squash it. And unfortunately for them, it embedded itself in the NFL, in the NBA. It got into the fabric. You go into uh, baseball clubhouses and there's probably a fight over who controlled the music, but you heard it once in a while. So, like, NFL, I, I, I can't, you know, there are times when I can't get with you. I love the game, but there are some things you do that I'm not, I'm not with. I, I, I can't, as my boy Kevin Weeks would say, I can't rate you for that. No, sir. And they have, I look at their CBA, no guaranteed contracts for players. Yeah, you get your money up front in the signing bonus, but if you're hurt or we want to cut you at any time, you're gone. This is not a partnership with their players. This is not a partnership. It seems to me at times like it could be misinterpreted or interpreted as almost colonialism. So I love the game. Don't get me wrong. I love the athletes that play it, and I don't care, uh, you know, a about that stuff when I'm watching the game, but I just think you got to be, you got to be a little more transparent or on side with, you know. Oh yeah, we're for diversity. I, I, I you know, I, I can't, I can't roll with that. I'm sorry. Uh, listen, I don't. I, I mean, Jonesy, I don't disagree with anything you just said, and and I'll go one further as well. Uh, you were talking about Eminem taking the knee. Uh, multiple reports coming out after the game last night that there was a conversation had, or at least, and, I, and listen, was it Roger Goodell or was it just one of the many minions that work in the in the league office? I don't know, but multiple reports saying that 
the NFL apparently nixed or tried to nix not only Eminem kneeling, but also Dr. Dre in his performances mentioning the line or the lyric, quote, still don't love the police. That happened too. So the NFL said, no, 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 no. Don't be singing that. Don't be saying that. Well, he did. And the NFL said, no, 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 no. Don't take the knee. And he did. <laughs> so, so both things happened. And good on Dr. Dre and Eminem for doing so as well. For the, for the political statement and for the gesture alone, let alone for just the music and the performance. Because, to pardon the pun, the stage was bigger than just the music. And to their credit, they used that stage and that platform. And I'm, yep. I'm a thousand yep. percent fine with that. Uh, and, and you can have people literally trying to take the government of the United States down on January 6, 2021. And it's a year later, year, year, uh, tw- 13 months later, and we still don't have anything done about that. You can have, uh, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to get political here, I'll make this my last statement. You can have a guy trying to say the election is corrupt and fix it as the 45th president, and yet nothing is done. But you're telling a man not to take a knee because he supports somebody who, so, who, who wants to do something about police brutality? Come on, man. Hey, Jonesy, not just uh, listen, <laughs> we're going we're going on a, on a lot of different paths right off the top of the show. And that's OK with me. Set the tone for the week here on a, on a Monday morning, but not just a year ago in the U.S. What the hell's happening right now? It's been going on for three weeks in our nation's capital, let alone what's yeah. happening at the yeah. other border on the at the bridge. Right. Hey, and, hey, and, and, and let me and, say and, this. And, let me say and, this about that. Eve, all right. About well, that. I, I think you might thing. say what I was about to say, but go ahead. Go, go. ahead. No, you no, go. No, go. Go ahead. I, I was going to say. Gonna... <laughs> no, you take it. You take it. They have the right to do that. Whether I agree with it or not, they have the right to protest. Is there a butt coming? No, no butt. Okay. I don't like, well, I'm but, add a butt. I don't like it. I don't like it, but they have the right to protest. I, listen, I'll add the butt. They have a right to protest, but for three weeks? And, and at what point does a protest become it's not a protest when there are popcorn machines and DJs and hot tubs? And would any other protest for any other cause, let alone, and I'm not saying that there aren't other people, when the vast majority, the vast majority of the people protesting are of a certain backgrounds would it have been allowed to go on this long if it were another cause another group of people etc i tend to think not is it a protest when you've got police on one night shutting down people for having speakers that are too loud and then the next day police allowing trucks with gigantic speakers to roll in and having a dj and a full-on street party is that still a protest yeah. When you shut yeah. down the capital of your country, surrounding all the parliament buildings and everything else for three weeks, eh, I'm not sure that's a protest anymore. But they do have a right. I, I absolutely will grant you they have a right. I just think that there is a timeline for everything when it comes to these things. That's just my humble opinion. Yeah, not no, saying I agree. I'm right. Not, just, I agree. not saying I'm right. That's just my take on it. 
Uh, my, mine too. Mine too. And you, you, if anybody, if any other group that looked a little different had that kind of a protest, man, that th that thing wouldn't last as that thing wouldn't last as long as a a snowball thrown thrown into the into the Pacific. No chance. It'd be done. It would be yep. done. Done. I, I I'd hazard a guess it wouldn't last three days. Certainly not three weeks. All right. I'll give One you last minutes, political man. thing. <laughs> Over <laughs> under three minutes. <laughs> One last political thing, because it is breaking news as we hit the air. And it's politics, but it's also life, and thus life affects all of us, which, hey, it impacts sports and what we are uh, listening to and, and talking about right now. All right? Breaking news, vaccine passports are gone as of March 1st, as the Ford government speeds up lifting COVID restrictions. On February 17th, before the long weekend, not after, capacity limits are lifted for restaurants, bars, gyms, and cinemas. 50% limit will still continue for sports arenas and concerts. Masking remains. So again, folks, vaccine passports gone as of March 1st. As of February 17th, so four days from now, Capacity limits lifted for restaurants, bars, gyms, and cinemas. A 50% limit still in place for sports arenas and concerts. Masking still remaining. And Jonesy, that brings us back then to the Toronto Raptors, who are hitting the road for a game tonight against the Pelicans. They stay on the road for another game uh, before the All-Star weekend, which comes this weekend or next weekend, depending how you want to look at it. Uh, they don't have a home game until March. So it's great that these restrictions are being lifted, I suppose, or at least the 50% is back. So you're going to have 10,000, not 20,000, but it's better than basically zero, which is what they've had now for, what, a month, six weeks? Um, yeah. But, but the Raptors won't be able to take part in this or benefit from this until March anyway. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't March 13th or 14th, somewhere around there, the date when it was supposed to be? 100% capacity anyway. So it might turn out that the Raptors, I'm just looking at the schedule right now, by the time the, let's let's call it the middle of March rolls around, they're only going to have to play three home games at 50% and then the rest of the season, assuming, and I'm crossing my fingers till they almost break here, assuming everything goes normal and stays safe and the numbers continue to stay where they are and, and we don't get kicked back another peg, Toronto might only have three home games at 50%. They've got Brooklyn on March 1st, Detroit on March 3rd, Orlando on March 4th. Then they hit the road for six and come back home to host the Lakers on the 18th of March. And by then, it should be 100%. So from a fan standpoint, let alone from a business standpoint for MLSE and ticket sales and whatnot, uh, they might only have to deal with three games at 50%. And obviously, that's just talking Raptors. This is now going to certainly help the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Ottawa Senators, among other teams, let alone... Um, events, concerts, etc., that are or were planned uh, for this province, not just this city, Toronto specifically. Yeah, and uh, it'd be good for the Raptors. Um, you know, it'll be, it'll be, as Masai was talking about last week, great for the fan base to be back in the building and give this team a little bit of a jump. And I can think of, I mean, uh, the Raptors have done well after kind of a, a sketchy start at home um, and really... You know, playing without Siakam, trying to kind of find themselves as a as a new team without 
you know, a guy like Lowry to lead them. I mean, you know, they're, uh, I'm just looking, what are they now? Uh, 16 and 12 or something like that at home or 15 and 12. I don't know. They're, they're they've, they've really turned it around. Um, but the Raptors 16 uh, and 13 at home. Yeah. 16 and 13. Okay. Yeah. And, and they, and they, they didn't start very well at home. Um, no. You know, like two and eight or something like that. So they've turned it around. But the, the crowd will help because it impacts, it gives energy to the team. Yeah, sure, the other teams draw a little energy from it, but uh, it, it has a human influence on officials, on um, opponents' coaching decisions, like all of those things. They're impacted by the crowd and, and the, the uh, you know, the conduct of the crowd and the way they are able to provide energy and, and help, you know, turn the tide. So it'll be good. It'll be really good for the Raptors and it'll be just coming, coming down to playoff time. Ian fans will get their team back and get ready to be warmed up again. So uh, can I, can I give you one last thing? I know we're going to talk Super Bowl uh, a lot more. Oh, well, you're going back to the Super Bowl now. I, I turned it to basketball. Now you're bringing it back. Okay, All right, I'll go save ahead. My, I'll save my, no, I'll oh. save my thought. I'll save my thought. I'll save okay. my thought. We'll call it a tease. Let's stay, let, yeah, let's uh, let's let's stay with basketball. Uh, a lot of people, the Raptors' last game on on Saturday, a lot of people were all over the fact that um, the Raptors didn't have a quote big man to handle Jokic. I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to talk about this too. Yeah, who who does the guy's the MVP? As I said, uh, uh, for post game on NBA TV Canada. Uh, not sure he could really jump over the Saturday paper. Eric, if you race Nikola Jokic the length of the floor, I would put, I would give anybody odds and put half the money I own. So it would, would at least you could pay the other half if you fell down. <laughs> but there's no way he could beat you in a 94-foot no. sprint. No, there's no way. You're, Jonesy, put, you're put down 75%, if not 100. I'm winning that race, guaranteed. You're you're twice his age, and you would do the, like, get to the foul line at the other end and turn backwards and go into the home run trot. There's no way he could beat you. But you know what? The dude is seven feet tall, and as much as people love, like, you know, the quick guys and whatever, quick and fast guys get tired at the end of games, a guy who's seven feet does not shrink. And he, he's tough. And people are like, oh, see, that's why the Raptors need a real center. It would be nice, but you think you think Joel Embiid is stopping Nikola Jokic? He might slow him down a little bit. Or some of those balls that are coming off the glass, he might have a better chance at rebounding because he's tall too. But you can't do anything about that. You can't. So don't t give me this, oh, they see, that's why they need a big guy. That's Nikola Jokic. You're not going to stop that. It doesn't matter if you have a big guy or not. Mm -hmm. And I just thought there were times, E, when I thought the Raptors got a really, really tough whistle in a very close game. Like I can think of four or five whistles in a one-point game that totally changed the momentum at that time and changed the outlook of the game. Jokic is on the rim when OG's going for a reverse dunk. The ball is lying on the rim, and he knocks it off. Like the touch fouls, the, like the things like that. And I, I mean, I didn't even look at 
because they, people say, oh, well, look at the free throw shooting. It's, it's probably even. I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. But it's the time at which things happen. Don't give me the, oh, they had 10 fouls. These guys had 10 fouls. If you get your five fouls early and they're in the bonus shooting free throws and yours come later when you're down or in garbage time, those 10 fouls aren't equal. So um, any, anyway, a terrific game, terrific ball game entertaining as all get out and if you had two or three more minutes who knows what would have happened I mean the Raptors number two in the NBA I believe now and they were number three going into that game uh, in games decided by uh, games that are three points or less with a minute to go the Toronto Raptors are number one in the NBA 23 such games and in terms of wins, they're number yeah, four. Yeah, I was going to say, and what's the record? It's 12. 500, right? No, right on, well, 12 and 11. Five, oh, okay. uh, fourth in the NBA. Fourth win, fourth most wins. Fourth most wins in those in that situation. But in terms of the record, they're middle of the pack at 14. Well, here here's my, here's my take as well, Jonesy, on the Jokic thing. Because I saw, and listen, with due respect to the headline writers, the headlines don't always tell what the story actually says. But the general feeling was, as you noted it, and it was a good description, was that what the Raptors are missing is a big man. But you read the headlines, you know, on, on Sunday morning, oh, the, this is the one flaw in the Raptors, or the, you know, the, the Denver Nuggets just expose. Hold on a second. That, and, and Jonesy, you've known me long enough. If my wife was listening too, she'd be like, we do not ever mistake Eric for being optimistic. <laughs> like I, I am accused of being pessimistic far more than I am optimistic. I am, I am accused of being the half-empty guy, not the half-full guy, far more often. I like to think I'm realistic, and I'm right in the middle. I see both sides. And here's where I see what happened on Saturday. A bunch of people wake up on Sunday and go, oh, my gosh, or go to bed on Saturday. We got exposed by the big man. Not only to your point, is he the best big man in the league and an MVP, and he and Embiid are, are basically the only two of their ilk in the league right now, and they're both even different players the way they play. But even with said player, they beat you by one, by one, and they couldn't handle what you were throwing at them all night either. Yeah. Like, they couldn't stop your length your size, your switchability, your athleticism. They couldn't slow down Pascal Siakam. Oh, yeah, 16 of 22 for 35, 10, and 7 with a couple of steals thrown into the mix as well. And, oh, yeah, by the way, in 42 minutes with 35 points, to your other point, he doesn't go to the free throw line once when he only had three triples in the game. So only nine of his 35 came from the perimeter, and a whole bunch came at the rim. In 42 minutes, Pascal Siakam didn't have a, a free throw. Really? Okay, fine. Put that aside. Go back to my first point again. They couldn't stop what you were doing. They couldn't stop your players. Even on a night where Gary Trent struggled, just one of five from distance, OG one of five, a combined two of ten, they still couldn't stop you until the last shot of the game where they did stop you. After, by the way, your MVP went 0-2 at the free throw line in crunch time, which left the door open for you to potentially beat said club. So 
I didn't necessarily buy the narrative or, or believe the narrative. Oh, they got exposed. The Raptors got exposed. Denver showed what Toronto's missing or what could be Toronto. No. Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Seems to me that they went punch for punch with this guy and took the best of the best from him and gave it right back. And it's a game that could have gone either way. And you know what? Put me in a seven-game series with those guys then, and let's see. Maybe they sweep you. Maybe it goes seven. I don't know. Maybe the best player ends up winning out, and Jokic gets it done. But as I as I saw it and as it stood on Saturday, I didn't think that it was so egregious that the Raptors didn't have a big man, quote-unquote, to match up against Nikola Jokic. I didn't see that at all. Well, and, and this is where I say it all the time, Eric. You've heard me say, You've heard me use this line over the, I don't know, 22 years that we've been working together. This is not this is not 3 on 3 basketball in Iowa where some kids play the front court and some kids are only playing the back court. <laughs> like you got to play both ends. You got to run up and down and right. You know what? You got a big man, you go inside, he gets his way. I I, I, I Jokic might be on my list, he's one of the top three passing big men of all time. Like, you double him below the free throw line, unless you have, like, two guys standing under the basket, they're getting a layup, or it's being kicked out, and all of a sudden, guys like Will Barton, Bones Highland, Campazzo, Austin Rivers, these guys, Bryn Forbes, they're getting open looks. And you know what? It's the same way the Raptors play. Pascal gets into the paint... And he decides, okay, do I take this 12-footer? Uh, no, you know what? There's Gary Trent Jr., wide open. So, uh, to your point, yeah, 22, 22 shots, most of them in the paint. And uh, 15 of them, I would say, you know, from two-point range, I'd say probably 10 of those in the paint. And you're telling me no free throws? All mm -hmm. right. But my point being about Jokic, his passing is wonderful. He's great on the offensive end. He's almost impossible to double-team without him making the right play. Um, you're not coming at him with the length that's on his level to deflect passes or obscure his vision. But he's got to play the other end. He's got to play the other end. And in a seven-game series, you know what they're going to do. If you find a way to be able to go at him or make him work on the defensive end, I mean, up to last year, the MVP, they were taking him out of games in the fourth quarter because he was a defensive liability. And, and my MVP, by the way, plays both ends. So this, this idea that, oh, yeah, they, they, they're going to get this. Well, you know what? You're going to get that at the other end, too. And I'm, I'm totally with you there, totally with you. And this is what makes this Raptors team so dangerous. People can say, oh, they don't have a big man, and a team like Philadelphia or uh, Denver or you know, Cleveland uh, can play conventional with, with a big man. And it's like, oh, Toronto doesn't have a big man. Okay, well, you know what, my man? You come down and hold what I got for you at the other end. You, you, come, and, you come and hold some of this. And, and I, I just look at the way the Raptors are playing. They are going to be a very very tough out Raptors getting set for the Pelicans tonight but one last note on Saturday's game against the Nuggets again Denver beating the Raptors 110 109 
with Jokic coming up with the big block at the buzzers, knocking away the shot from OG Ananobi, and, uh, well, just before the buzzer, point three left. And the Raptors, again, lose their eight-game winning streak coming to an end. Uh, after the ball game, though, Jonesy, Mike Malone with a ton of great things to say about Pascal Siakam again, Spicy P with 35, 10, and 7 on 16 of 22 shooting. Here is Mike Malone. He was at a high level tonight. Obviously, he was incredible. Um, you know, 35, 7 assists, 10 rebounds, uh, 2 steals. He impacted the game in so many ways. Uh, even late, I mean, for a guy like that who's having a game to make the play to get Freddie Van Fleet the 3. I mean, he's he's scoring, he's playmaking, he's rebounding, he's defending. Uh, and that's why, you know, he's been an all-star in this league. You know, he has that type of talent and potential. So, uh, yeah, he's a hell of a player. Two points on that, Jonesy, and then we can step aside for a break. One, I know that he's from New York. It's pretty obvious to tell. And I'm not to paint all New Yorkers with one broad stroke, but could that not be Frank Isola? <laughs> like, like yeah. I'm closing my eyes listening to that going, is that Mike Moon or is that Frank Isola? <laughs> Two... As we said on Saturday in our vlog, and I don't know if we're the only ones, I'll continue to to hammer home the point. I refuse to say that Siakam was snubbed because there were many deserving. He was a deserving all-star. He didn't make it. But you know what? I don't even care about all-star anymore. You keep playing at this level, A, you're going to be in the MVP conversation. You might not win it, but you're in the conversation, and you're certainly – in the conversation for all NBA because I would challenge anybody to right, right now to find me 15 players better than Pascal right now. You might find five, you might find seven, you might find 10, but I don't think you're finding 15. Point being, if he's one of the best 15 in the league right now, he's all NBA. So take your all-star and stick it. I want all NBA now. Let, let's remember all-star has something to do with the fans voting. You know, uh, and and boy, I hope our brothers in the media. You know, you know what they, you know what they should do. To be honest, because now that all NBA is tied to salaries, like to think Clay Thompson lost out on a boat ton of money because, and some people might have got it right, some might not have. Coaches might have got it right, coaches might not have. But to think that. You know, some people voting for that that aren't in locker rooms doing game plans, uh, you know, in the inner circle talking to other coaches about a guy's work ethic and what he's like. And but to think that that voting cost Clay Thompson's money because he wasn't one of the three all NBA players, all first, second or third team, all NBA players is kind of crazy. That's a lot of pressure. I don't know if I'd. If my all NBA ballot, if I like, I'm taking it really seriously. If it's gonna, if it's, if it could cost a guy millions, or put millions in another guy's pocket. Mm-hmm. And, Agreed. You know, with with Mike Malone's comment like that, maybe they should have the same way the coaches vote for the reserves in the All Star. Maybe they should negotiate something with the coaches association, put a little more money in it, and have the coaches vote for all NBA. Because how many Eric? How many of our media brothers and sisters in the States on Saturday night sat there and watched Toronto-Denver? And how many are going to sit and watch Toronto-New Orleans tonight? And how many are going to sit and watch Toronto 
Minnesota a few nights from now. The way coaches invest in trying to stop a guy or trying to get him open. Can't vote for your old guy, so that would exclude Nick Nurse. But you tell me the rest of the coaches in the league that wouldn't, even if they're not playing Pascal, like, and they don't play him for two weeks, get scouting reports and their scouts are saying, hey, man, you better watch out for this cat. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah. All right, Jonesy. Let's uh, hey, let's let's ask that question to our next guest. When we come back, uh, Pelicans analyst and former NBA or longtime NBA vet Antonio Daniels will join us on Smith and Jones. Everything you need to know about all things Raptors. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't do it to me, Lance. Yes. No, no, Lance is doing it. Don't do it this to me, like Lance. This is like a little discussion. A little discussion in the chat last night, Jonesy. Like every day, every show, it's the same bumper every time because we love it. I but need today, a camera. Today, I'm it's dancing. our tribute. No, no, but I'm even standing, I, I, Jonesy. I'm not even I'm not even chair dancing too. right now. Oh, yeah. I got my ghetto step on. How good was she on. last night? How good was she last night, too? Mm. She disappointed me, though. She disappointed Why? me, though. I had I had the over three and a half performers wearing sunglasses. Oh, and I and I, I, and I had three. <laughs> I knew Dre wouldn't. I knew Dre yep. wouldn't. Eminem, yes. Kendrick, yes. Have you ever seen Snoop without sunglasses? Uh, and I'm thinking, very rarely. Right, and I'm thinking Mary J is going to rock the shades, and I'm winning my two dollar bet. <laughs> she looked good, but I need some glasses, girl. I need some darkers. I, I honestly don't remember if I bet on that one, but I, I did have like a couple bucks on whether she was going to show up in faux fur or not. So I, I, I think I won that one. But I think of all my... my oh, I won, my... I won the parlay too. I won the parlay. <laughs> Eminem with the beard and the hoodie. Yes. The beard that and the hoodie. That was a no-brainer. I, Jonesy, I told you about that one too on Thursday or something, right? I said, listen, unless the man yeah. shaves in the next two days... He 100% has a beard because I just saw an interview with the dude. Now, he might shave and, and, and screw us all, but that was like a no-brainer. But the odds weren't good on that. Anyway, putting that all aside, I'm sure – I don't know if he wants to talk about it or not. I'm sure our next guest had a couple of dollars laid down or having some fun with some prop bets. I'm sure he was watching the game. We can talk about the Super Bowl too, but we're clearly getting set for the Raptors and Pelicans tonight. And joining us on the line right now, analyst for the Pelicans, host on Sirius XM NBA Radio, and 13-year NBA vet as well, Antonio Daniels. Antonio, thanks for the time today. Hey, Jonesy, what's up, fellas? How you guys doing? I'm, I'm, I'm good, Tone. And, uh, you know, I, I, I still haven't seen your championship ring from San Antonio. You got it in a box somewhere, safety deposit. Like, I, I need to see that because I remember you coming into the league as a youngster with, with our now defunct Vancouver Grizzlies, and 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 how well you played out there, and um, so I, at some point when we get on the road, I want to I want to see that thing. But um, I, I want to start with one thing before we get into tonight's game. Eric and I were talking okay. about this, and now that you've come over to the media side after your playing career, um, the voting the voting for All Stars and All NBA. Would you be averse to having 
the coaches or assistant coaches or people like that vote for all NBA and nothing against our people in the media, but I don't think they're mm -hmm. consistently over all the people that vote have the, 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 I don't even know if I want to say depth of knowledge, have the, have the access to stuff that would tell you about somebody deserving to be all okay. NBA in addition to their play. Because now it's tied to salaries. It's tied to money, Tone. Right. And think about Clay Thompson maybe losing out because somebody voted for somebody else when, you know what I mean? There's, there's some subjectivity so, in there. And I think I'd like to see some of that taken out. I'll tell you, this is, this is the issue that I have with the voting process and it being with the media. It's the fact that it is tied to salaries. It's tied to your livelihood. And let's be honest here. There are certain people in the media that have an extra grind for whatever reason. Yeah. So let, let's go look at – I covered OKC for four years. And I think of the relationship that Russell Westbrook had with some of the media members out there for whatever reason. You know, maybe they wrote something that he didn't like or it, it, the relationship wasn't there. Wasn't there. So I don't think it's right to put people or people to have a say in impacting the financial future of guys when they have something personal against those particular guys. But I'll say this. If players took it more serious, we would not be in this situation, though. If players took voting more serious, whether it's in – all-star voting, uh, whatever it may be. I, I shouldn't be receiving votes. You know, other players that have not touched the floor should not receive a vote. I feel like players should have the highest percentage of votes because they're the ones that actually get to strap up and go against these guys every day. But until they take it serious, I don't think that we can point the finger at the NBA or anyone else. And, Tony, can I, can I add one thing to this? And I don't, I don't know if you'd mm -hmm. agree with me or not, but as long as presidents and GMs and players and agents are going to have incentives in contracts for All-Star and more so for All-NBA or any end-of-the-season award for that matter, then I think, and this is coming from, uh, you know, like you're, you're on our side now working in the broadcasting. Jones and I have been doing this each for 20-plus years. Mm -hmm. You have to take the vote away from the media then, from the writers, from the broadcasters, because if you've got potentially hundreds of thousands, let alone millions of dollars on the right. line, and it's being impacted by reputation, pro or con, that's not right. It's not right, but it's human. I cannot mm -hmm. agree with you more. It, it, I would like to think that this should stay in the fraternity of the NBA. You know, whether it's GMs, president of basketball operations, coaches, players. You know, for me. Because like Jonesy said, there's everybody who's in the media is not watching all the games. Just like fans don't watch all the games. And I am not taking a shot at anybody, but if you look at the way that the all-star voting happened, and it's a popularity contest. Yes, yes. You know, when, when Orlando's playing, I don't know, another or Oklahoma City on a, on a Sunday night, on a Monday night, 
how many people who are actually involved in the voting process are really watching that game? You can't just watch the games like we saw on Saturday where it's the Los Angeles Lakers versus Golden State in prime time. To have a vote and a say and for it to be valid means something. You have to be invested, which means you have to watch all the games. And I'm not sure how many media members are doing that. Yeah, yeah. Antonio, I just said the same thing. You got two teams tonight. I mean, uh, I mean, you played in Vancouver, so you know what that's like. You got the Raptors against the Pelicans. It's not sexy mm-hmm. tonight. It's, it's not. And, and right. that being said, I mean, that being said, I look at New Orleans Willie Green has done a really good job, and this team is getting sneaky better. They, they really are with, with the little things. I like the CJ trade. Uh, you know, Zion comes back. You got the guy that, that, that was drafted in Toronto, Valanchunas, who's kind of one of the classic big men that has added to his game by stepping out. Like the Pelicans, like they're, 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 imp- they're on an improvement track. They're, they're sneaky getting better. So how many people are sitting down to watch this game tonight, wall-to-wall, right. the whole game? But I tell you what, ask Willie Green, ask Nick Nurse. Ask Nick Nurse about stopping C.J. McCollum tonight. Ask Willie Green about trying to hang on to Pascal and Fred tonight. And they will be able to tell you if those guys are all NBA and how they compare no to other guys. They can make those those discerning, you know, those discerning comments and, and, and votes. And Antonio, while I'm, while I'm on it, um, what will C.J. McCollum do to help this Pelicans team? Okay, well, well first, um, Jonesy, the thing that you touched on that was spot on is you love the C.J. trade. And, and I'll say this first and foremost. I literally loved Josh Hart. I love Josh Hart. I, I think the, the worst part of sport, first is injuries, and then it's trades. Because now being a color analyst, you really have an opportunity to develop relationships with these guys. Me and Josh Hart had a pregame superstition every single game. And now to see him traded away, I understand the business aspect of it. But being a player, now an analyst, I also understand that there's a human aspect of it that a lot of people don't understand and don't realize. With that being said, I love the move for the Pelicans, though. I do. Because what you're doing is you're bolstering your backcourt. So just think of what you lost in the backcourt over the past three seasons. You lost a Drew Holiday, you have lost a J.J. Redick, and you've lost a Josh Hart and Alonzo Ball. All in the last three seasons. So this is a front court based team. Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Yoni Valanciunas, you know, now Herb Jones. So you know what you need? You need someone to bolster the backcourt to bring that balance to this team. C.J. McCollum's that guy. He is that guy. I have known C.J. C.J. worked my basketball camp in San Antonio when he was coming out of Lehigh. And I remember thinking at that time, God, this dude is hard to stop. I was still playing at the time. I was still hooping at the time. So we would have my basketball camp, and then after my camp was over, we would play. And thinking to myself, gosh, this dude is really talented offensively. He's not fast. He's not athletic. He's incredibly crafty and creative around the rim. He's a three-level scorer. This is exactly what the Pelicans needed. But I tell you this, guys, there's a drastic difference between being traded in February and being traded in July. When you're traded in July, you get an opportunity to go down to that particular city, get the lay of the land, learn your route, go get acclimated with your team. When you're trading in February, you got 24 to 48 hours to pick it up, to pick it up quick. We saw how CJ looked in his first game um, a few nights ago. 
He struggled. He was 6-21 from the field, 15 points. It was a quick turnaround. But then we saw how he looked against San Antonio, 35 points. Now the, the key comes down to how quickly can he get acclimated to his teammates and his teammates get acclimated to him. I love the addition because it bolsters your backcourt and brings some balance to this New Orleans Pelicans team. Speaking with Antonio Daniels, Raptors getting set for the Pelicans tonight, two on the road for the Raptors before the All-Star game hits. Um, you were just chatting about the, the, the front court, and obviously we've, we've still got a little special place in our heart, Antonio, for, for Jonas Valanciunas. How big, and I don't pardon the pun or the, or the bad, the bad mm-hmm. term, I suppose, but mm-hmm. how big has he been for this team this year mm-hmm. in, in solidifying the front court without Zion Williamson? I'm going to tell you the, the, what sucks this year for, for Jonas is the fact that he hasn't played one game with Zion. That's the part I know for me as an analyst and for Jonas being out there, the fact that him and Zion haven't touched the floor, I'm still not even talking in practice one time yet. I am so excited to see what this looks like when you have someone of Jonas' skill set. I remember me and Joel used to say all the time last year doing games, Jonas, to me, and this is prior to Jonas coming here, is the most underrated center in the league because of all that he is. You know, I heard, I heard Jonesy say earlier, um, almost used the term traditional. And, yeah, he, he is somewhat traditional in the fact that he plays with his back to the basket, but he's a 40% three-point shooter. Yeah. He's big, he's strong, he's talented, and he has a lot of skill. And, and I'll tell you what I didn't know about Jonas. He looks like a John Witt character. He looks like a John Wick assassin, right? <laughs> but he is the nicest guy that you will ever meet. You know what I mean? So uh, his disposition no. and how he looks when you first meet him, you're almost on like you're almost in your boxer stance. Like, okay, is this dude, what's this dude going to try and do because of the way he looks? But when you get to know him, like his game is what it is. I always knew how talented he was. And I remember when we signed Jonas, I tweeted immediately, this is worth every penny. He's worth every penny to bring him in with a Zion, with a Brandon Ingram, and these other guys. But the thing that I didn't know, and when I tweeted that, many Grizzlies fans and Raptors fans reached out and said, you know what, you guys are going to love this guy. I had no idea the man, the person that Jonas Valanciunas is. So this is a great pickup for the Pelicans. The part that sucks about this is we have not seen this all come to. We're the only team in the league meaning the Pelicans, that have yet to see their best player, their generational talent, be on the floor for one possession of practice or games this year, and you are still fighting for a 10th spot, a playoff playing spot in the Western Conference. That speaks volumes of the job Willie Green has done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Antonio, I, 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 you know, I totally agree with you. And to your point about Jonas, they – they used to tease him in Toronto that he would have to come out and warm up 15 minutes early because by the time he stopped shaking hands, kissing babies, and saying hello and chatting with everybody, it was time to warm up. So we know Eric and I have sat there and 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 watched it. I've, I've watched him pick up Eric's little son and start playing with him, and mm-hmm. the 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 strength coach come out and saying, "Okay, can you put the kid down? We got to warm up for the game tonight, right?" So mm-hmm. um, we know what we know what a terrific guy he is. To, to your point of, of Willie Green, um, and, and Eric and I have said this, I really hope, Griff, I really hope David Griffin will be patient with Willie Green um, and give him a chance to have a full, healthy roster, work with it, and develop it. 
because a lot of times coaches go in and if they don't pay immediate dividends within you know two right. three four years they they, right. they flip the switch and just when the guy's getting it in place somebody else comes Bring in and takes over and, and 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 takes it apart and we start over again i mean i look at what happened with toronto when Dwayne casey took over the lockout shortened season mm -hmm. 23 and 43 and seven years later he was one game from 60 wins, and, and, and the patience to do that. I really hope the organization will have the patience with a bright young coach in Willie Greentone. That's, that's all I'm hoping. You, you know, Jonesy, I always go back to my time in San Antonio. And, you know, you're speaking of patience and, and organizational patience. And we live in such a microwave culture where we want to expedite the process. I'll go back to mm -hmm. San Antonio. My first year in San Antonio with Greg Popovich where Pop was one game away from being fired. I can tell you the game. We were in Houston, and we had a team meeting on the bus at that time. Avery Johnson called a team meeting on the bus. All the coaches got off. All the, the uh, medical staff got off. It was just us. And what it came down to was if we don't win this game, Pop will probably be fired, right? That's what our discussion was about. If we don't win this game, Pop will probably be fired, and we are probably having another coach. Remember, this is what they lock lockout shortened season as well. So talk about the patience. We did end up winning that game and obviously going on to win the NBA championship in 1999, but just think if we didn't. That would have changed the course of basketball history. We're not thinking of the San Antonio Spurs the way that we do now with five championships and arguably the best NBA head coach of all time. But at the time, what Peter Holt, R.C. Buford, and those guys chose to do was practice patience. And I'm with you. I can't see Griff stemming away from that. I can't. Willie Green has done an amazing job with this roster thus far. And we had Griff on our broadcast the other day. One of the things he said was he put Willie in a bad position off the jump. Put him in a bad position because you made a lot of offseason moves. And now to bring all that together with a new coach, new team, new egos, new skill set, new talent, two talent to bring all that together off the jump, that's why this team started out 1-12. That's why this team started out 3-15. and 15. Because Willie was trying to work it all together. But I'll tell you this. The thing that people don't know and don't see about Willie Green is how he was when this team was 1-12 or when this team was 3-15. and 15. The, the optimism that he came into each and every shoot-around with, he would not allow guys to hang their heads. I said during that time, when you're sitting at 1-12, there's no way possible. I've been in bad, on bad NBA teams. I've been there where you're in there and it feels like you're one in 12 being in there and seeing the life and energy in these shoot arounds felt like this team was 12 and one, as opposed to being one in 12. And to me, that is a mm. true testament to Willie green, his optimism and his energy. He speaks so much life and confidence into these guys. You see it on a day-to-day -day basis. Right now we are four minutes away from shoot around where we'll go out there and you'll hear guys high-fiving each other. See guys high-fiving each other and chanting. That all starts at the top for me. The same way we look at it in a negative sense where a team is really struggling and we point at the coach, I'm going to look at this the other way. Because when a team plays well, we praise the players. But when a team struggles, we criticize the coach. And in this instance, the team has turned it around. I'm going to praise Willie Green first for the position that he has put players in to succeed. Antonio, great stuff today. Great insight. Uh, we love having you on and uh, look forward to chatting again soon. But we're up against the clocks. So we've got to fly. We'll get set for the uh, Pelicans and the Raptors at 8 o'clock Eastern tonight. Thanks for this, Antonio.
for sure. God bless you guys. Thank, thanks, Tone. There is Antonio Daniels, analyst for the New Orleans Pelicans, host on Series XM NBA Radio, 13-year NBA vet, NBA champion as well. Great story right there. I don't know about you. I hadn't heard that story. So uh, no. loved hearing that. Loved hearing that about how close Pop might have been to getting fired. And, and I love what he said as well, Jonesy, how that would have changed the history of the NBA. We can dive into that a little bit yeah. more uh, throughout the rest of the show. But, folks, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Because if you've missed part of this show or any of last week's shows or whatever, you can always catch up when you're going on a walk or doing your workout, whatever it may be. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. Back with more in a moment. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. on Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. I'm still standing, Jonesy, so I'm still moving. Our tribute to the uh, Super Bowl halftime show continues. The, the regular tunage will be back, and I'm sure we'll close the show as we regularly do, but we had to throw in a little bit more, a little extra sauce on today's show. As we look back to yesterday's halftime show and yesterday's game, we will do so with the X's and O's and the actual football later on this hour. But our buddy, our colleague, Matt Devlin, is coming up in a couple of minutes' time. We'll talk more about the Toronto Raptors and the NBA and kind of look around the association, but also focus in on tonight's game, Raptors and Pelicans at 8 p.m. Eastern. Raptors and Timberwolves coming up later on in the week before we hit the All-Star break and then the festivities in Cleveland. And... Um, Maybe I'll, I'll put the, the, the Super Bowl stuff to the side because I know we still want to get to some other Super Bowl stuff. We have the Paul Jones tease from hour number one, something else you wanted to get back to and bring up again. So, again, a second tease. Stay tuned for Jonesy's Super Bowl thoughts. But I wanted to mention one thing to you. It's not like it's a five-year anniversary or a 10-year or whatever. It's six years. But I saw on the weekend, shout out to another one of our colleagues, Brad Fay who posted a video of a conversation that he had with Vince Carter. I believe it was during the NBA championship uh, a few years back, Raptors and Warriors, where he got a chance to talk to Vince in the stands. But then I also saw um, a highlight pack that was put together where they slowed down, they put it in slow-mo, every single one of Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon's dunks in Toronto, in the All-Star game in Toronto. So again, I, I know Jonesy is not like a five- or ten-year anniversary. It's the six-year anniversary. But it was kind of a, a weekend of reminiscing, thinking back to how awesome that game was in Toronto. Um, and I brought up two separate topics here, uh, the Toronto game and the Vince moment. So before we talk to Matty D, let me start with the first one, Vince. Because with due respect to Brad, and I loved his chat with Vince, and I retweeted it. So folks, if you didn't see it or, or want to check it out, find my feed, find Brad's feed, and you can see a portion of the interview that Brad did with Vince where he was talking about that dunk contest, the dunk contest where Vince put on the show. But, Jonesy, you've told the story a couple times before. For the folks that maybe haven't heard it, 
you were the last one to talk to Vince before he walked onto the floor and put on the show. And you know where his headspace was at. And when I heard him talking to, to Brad about, man, a lot of it was sort of free, freelance, ad lib. I was just kind of going, you know, improv in a sense. You had a sense of that based on having a quick conversation with him uh, when you were working the dunk contest and chatting with Vince right before he walked through the curtain and stepped out onto the floor. Interviewed him uh, in the tunnel. It's now Oracle, but it was called just called the Arena in Oakland in 2000. And remember, we were coming back after a lockout in 99. So this was the first All-Star game back. It was the first time they'd also brought back the dunk contest. And Vince had been wowing people uh, through the course of the regular season to that point. And, and I, I remember talking to him, and I was gassed up for the interview. It was, you know, it's a fun interview. You're not talking about how you're going to stop opponents and how you're going to play this and what you're going to do against that guy. Or it, There was no strategy, team strategy. It was just like, let's talk about what are you going to do? And I, I remember talking to him, and he did the interview, and everything was fine. And he was done, and I looked at him. I put, I handed the mic to the A2 and took the earpiece out, and I looked at him. I said, hey, V, man, this is you, man. You're, this, is, this is right in your, right your wheelhouse. And he kind of put his chin towards his chest, and I saw the top of his head. He's like, oh, I don't know, Jonesy. I don't know, man. Hey, I don't know. We'll see what we can do. And he walked down the tunnel. I'm thinking, like, see what you can do. Man, you got a trampoline in your legs. You can do stuff that the mascots can do. <laughs> like, what? what? I don't get it. And I thought, really? The guy with this much ability to wow the crowd, and he was strolling down the tunnel thinking, like, okay, what, what am I going to really do when I get out here? Like he, I wouldn't say he didn't have a plan, but he just didn't seem as confident as, you know, that guy, it's over and like, you know, doing the Usain Bolt, pointing it at the rim and stuff. That was not the guy that I interviewed in the tunnel. Something happens when he walked through the tunnel, something happened and the lights came on. And l let me tell you about Vince's influence. Guys are still doing his dunks now, yep. 22 years later. Yep. Stuff between the legs. Or he was the first one to come from out of bounds. Remember that one? He came from out of bounds and windmill under the basket coming out in from the baseline. Like the bounce stuff with Tracy McGrady bounce between the legs. Now people are doing it on their own. They don't necessarily need a prop. But that speaks to the legacy and some of the things that Vince did. And oh, by the way, that Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, might be the top dunk contest I've ever seen. When Aaron Gordon sat on that ball, <laughs> did, uh, like like a pike position dunk, like that's hard in gymnastics when you have, you know, a trampoline or or a, a beak board to help you jump. I, I, I actually I thought Aaron Gordon won, but the more I go back and look at it, it should have been a tie. It yeah. should have been a tie. Yep. <laughs> it's funny, Jones. You're talking about the pike position. I'm like, man, forget about forget about gymnastics. The average person can't sit on the floor with their legs extended and touch their toes. <laughs> Just sitting on the floor, and he's he's doing oh, it. Oh, you're mid -air. killing me now because that's me. 
<laughs> You're killing me. Well, That's hey, me. You I know can't, me. I can't either. Don't, don't worry. I can't either. And the man's do, and he's doing it over a, a big, green, fuzzy, stuff the magic, you know, is he a dragon? Stuff the magic dragon? Whatever the hell. Spinning on a, on a, on a hoverboard. Like, it was ridiculous. I saw, that was going to be my next question is what stands out or what do you remember most? That's the easy answer, I guess, is the dunk contest because it was awesome. But I thought the game itself was good. Uh, and maybe it's Toronto bias, but I like I, I here here's here's the best or one of the best compliments I can give as well. You know I hate the All Star jerseys. I think they're lame. I think they often look cheese ball. I think it's better when when and it only happened a couple of times when you actually had teams wearing their actual jerseys and we just say that team's in dark. This team's in white. And I think it's so cool to see guys out there. Like, imagine Fred's out there playing alongside. Like, he's in his Raptor jersey playing alongside somebody in a Lakers jersey. Like, that's cool to me. These cheese ball jerseys they come up with, and I know it's for money, but honestly, hit me up on Twitter if you actually own and, and, and are proud of the fact that you own an all-star jersey. Like, you wouldn't rather have a team jersey over an all-star jersey. Maybe you bought it to throw in your, your sports cave or something. But do you actually wear the thing and you bought it because you wanted it to wear it? And here's where the compliment comes. I thought the Toronto jerseys were actually pretty good. The best we've seen in a while with the blue and the red with the east and the west. Kobe playing in that game and how awesome that was seeing him in Toronto in that moment in that uniform. Like, I, I thought it was awesome. The three-point shootout. The, the only thing that was bad was the cold. And, of course, like the next weekend, it was 50, 60 degrees Fahrenheit, which was the biggest slap in the face to Toronto. That seven days later, it was like damn near, you know, summertime. But anyway, the festivities were great in spite of the cold, the parties, everything about it. Like, I can't wait for Toronto to get the game back. I don't know how long it's going to be, but I can't wait for them to get it back. Because I think we did it right. When are you saying? 2042? I think it's, yeah, I think that's what I saw on the list of future All-Star games. All right. I'm not joking. I might be gone by then. I might be gone by then. Come on, man. (laughs) Come on. You're going to, you're going to hang on longer than that. You're still going to be working at that point. I got to, I got to, I got to stay alive long enough to shoot my age in golf. And at this rate, I'll have to live to like 116. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm screwed then. I'm absolutely screwed. Because that's never happening. <laughs> Join us on the line right now, television voice of the Toronto Raptors, our friend, our colleague, Matt Devlin. Matty D, how are you? Doing great. How are you both doing? We're good, Matty. We're good. good hey, D, you're you... fired up this morning. <laughs> you're fired up about uniforms. <laughs> Aren't they terrible? Come on, Matty. Are they not terrible? Uh, like, are not I mean, most – like, your... and not just NBA, I... all All-Star. Like, seeing some of these abominations in the NHL over the last few years, like the, the neon things they tried doing a couple of years ago, like, come on. They're terrible, the, Matt. The, the only thing that I'm going to say about uniforms, and I don't – understand why uh, there isn't more thought given to those that are watching at home. Um, And that's inclusive of some of the uniforms that you see right now in the Olympics. You cannot make out numbers. And if you're trying to sell in names, if you're trying to sell the game, the sport, um, make the numbers so you can see them and the names Mm -hmm. so that you can see them. And 
so that to me is a big thing. And obviously because we're as, as both of you know, we're spending more time calling games off of uh, TV monitors uh, because, you know, we're doing road games uh, from a studio uh, that I remember saying, bringing this up in an NBA meeting uh, years ago when we would have broadcast meetings just about, you know, the size of uh, the numbers, even from a fan perspective when you're sitting up in the, in the crowd. But then also, remember, I think it was the one year Christmas, everybody had like the same color jersey was the same color of the numbers. And it was like, okay, you can't see, you know, obviously we all know, you know, players, what they look like, those sort of things. But just, you know, the number aspect of it to me is the thing that I always kind of uh, think about when we start getting into discussions. But this year's NBA All-Star uniforms, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of. Neither is he. He's, he's <laughs> Maddie. he's fired up about the NFL, too, now we're... We we went through the half we went through the halftime show and the NFL and their their lip service and hollow words around uh, diversity and inclusivity got me going. So if you got something you're fired up about, Maddie, this is the place. Take up a hey. lie down on the couch and 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 and, and go to town, brother. <laughs> um. Um, let, let's get to tonight, Matt. Let's get to tonight. I, I, we had Antonio Daniels on a little while ago. And uh, coming off the heels of the last game, where, as Eric so nicely pointed out, the Raptors, Pascal Siakam had 22 shots, 35 points, 10 rebounds. It's not like he wasn't around the ball. And he had as many free throw attempts as Matt Devlin did. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Not, that's not a good look. No, and and uh, there was, you know, as our good friend Hubie Brown would say, it's not the call, it's the non-call. And so, yep. you know, late in that game, I thought the whistle uh, was not good uh, for the Raptors, and, and I understand the frustrations uh, that were shown. Um, Zach Zarba is, as we know, one of the best officials in the NBA um, and he and he wasn't the one that was, um, you know, it was, you know, the other two that were making some calls. And, and, and look, at, you know, sometimes you have to overcome that. It's difficult. You know, Jokic uh, is extremely difficult to deal with, as we know. Um, however, I think he committed one foul. Well, at least one that was called all game long. So, um, you know, those things are going to happen. Uh, as we know, you now you know, move away and think about this next game against New Orleans with a team that was not selling. They were buying. They brought in C.J. McCollum, and I think that when you look at that situation there, you know, it's clear, right? You don't have Zion. Zion's not with the team. He's not working out there. Last I had heard, he's working out at Nike uh, in Oregon, um, and so it's a, a franchise that certainly um, feels as though uh, the time is now to try to make a run Zion or no Zion. And we know, obviously, what the, the second overall pick in that draft is doing in Memphis. So, um, you know, it's, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how it all kind of plays itself out. You know, Matt, I, I'm, I 
just as a quick aside, I meant to bring this up in the first hour, Jones, when we were talking about the foul situation and, and, and how fired up the Raptors were after the game. And you never want to talk too much about the refs, even though they were a factor. Matt, I don't know if you saw it in real time when you were calling the game or Jonesy as well, but there's a clip circulating around. I don't read lips well, but it certainly looks like I, I'm getting visions of uh, – Oh, uh, what movie was it? Time to Kill, Sam Jackson. <laughs> I hope they burn in hell. Like It looks like Nick Nurse is yelling, burn in hell to the officials. Like The clip is all over social media as he's leaving the floor, just giving it, giving it to the refs. And, Matt, we've talked about this a million times. I'm not here for any kind of anti-Canada, anti-Raptor conspiracy theory. I don't buy it at all. But there is a problem when three of your five starters don't go to the free throw line at all, let alone Pascal with 35 and 10 on 22 shots, no free throw attempts. I've got to assume, though, if you have that same blueprint tonight against the Pelicans in terms of trying to attack, try and get into the paint. The Raptors had 52 of their 109 in the paint against the Nuggets. That's got to be a pretty successful blueprint going and battling against the Raptors' old friend, old teammate in JV. Well, it is, and and Pascal Siakam, as we know, is playing at an all-NBA level. Fred Van Vliet is playing at an all-star level, all-NBA, and and all three of us, you know, know, you know, what he does defensively and why he hasn't been on the, any of the all-D teams is a whole other thing. Maybe, you know, a better, you know, is a Chris Paul is a better defensive player at that position. I, I don't think that there is one. You have Kyle Lowry, certainly, you know, who's exceptional. So uh, he's in an elite company there. And then, you know, the growth of OG and Scotty Barnes and, and just, you know, Gary Trent Jr. is only 23 years of age. Um, I just really like where the Raptors are at. And as it pertains to tonight, this has been a really good road team as of late, as we know. They, they are going to need, I, I would imagine we'll see Thad Young tonight. They are going to need uh, something from their bench. They were unable to get that um, on Saturday, um, unfortunately. So, you know, that's just something that, um, you know, is a continual work in progress. Uh, there's been flashes, but I think the addition of uh, Thaddeus Young is certainly going to help in that role. Uh, Matt, I, I agree. I, I, I love the... I love the, the, the Thad Young pickup. Um, and, and to your point, we were talking with Antonio Daniels about this earlier. Um, you, you talk about Fred not getting on an all-defensive team or how many votes he received or didn't receive. It goes back to what we're saying. I love all our brothers and sisters in the media, but their, their immersion in the game, like who's sitting down, Who's as crazy as we are and is sitting down on a Monday night against Monday night football and watching, you know, New Orleans against Houston? Like mm-hmm. our, 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 our national people that vote for all defensive team, are they watching that? And I just said, how many people watch Toronto-Denver on Saturday? How many will watch, and in, the, in its entirety, Toronto-New Orleans tonight and then Toronto-Minnesota in a few nights from now? Like, sit down and watch it. And if they did, and like us every night, you'd see how good a defender Fred Van Vliet is. He gets that look in his eye when he wants the ball, and he starts dogging a guy and getting on his hip, and boom, next thing you know, the, the guy's lost the ball. He's just so crafty. But unless you're watching every night, Matty, you don't see that. And then that translates into, well, 
there's no vote for that because you don't see it. Yeah, and I I agree with you, Jonesy. I, I, I used to take a tremendous amount of pride in filling out those sheets. It wasn't an afterthought, um, and it was a uh, – you know, when we used to be able to vote and obviously because of the super max, you know, that has been, you know, taken away as, as we know, and they have a, a committee of national um, broadcasters and media members that uh, fill that out now. Um, and there is always a conversation about, well, you know, hometown, right. And you, you know, you, you know, lean towards that, but um, you know, they, you know, I'm, I just, you know, I, I think if you watch the game, uh, it's great that Fred made the all-star game. I'm hoping that uh, people see that. It is, and and to go back, Eric, to what you said and a little bit, Jonesy, like the, the conversation about refs having worked in Memphis and in Charlotte, it's the same conversation, right? It, it's the same conversation um, unless you have that superstar player, right? And that superstar player, you know, as we know, is a John Morant in Memphis. So now that changes, right, with the way that they're playing. And when the Raptors are making that championship run, you look at the collection of players that they had, and certainly then you add Kawhi to that, and you know, you're going to get some calls. And that's just the way it is. And and so I, I just, you know, the Pascal thing is amazing to me because he has the ball in his hands you know, at, at at such a high rate, as we know, from a usage standpoint, that you would think that eventually he would find his way to the free throw line. And um, and and I, I would hope, you know, Jonesy, that, uh, you know, those that on the national scene that are uh, voting uh, do take into consideration what Fred's been doing and, and what Gary Trent Jr., by the way, has been doing from a defensive mm-hmm. standpoint. And, 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 oh, by the way, you know, we've talked about Pascal's offense. I mean, right, you know, 18th double-double the other night is 11th, 20, and 10. Defensively, I think, is is where his game has gone to the next level as well. So, you know, all of that to be said, hey, you take on New Orleans. They're a different New Orleans team. They're trying to make a run tonight. You have Minnesota that just beat Indiana. They're currently 7th in the West. It's not your typical Minnesota. You have two really tough games here to, to finish out uh, the road trip or and, and all-star break. And then you come back. I like the fact that you start on the road. You don't have a game until March one, hopefully by then, right. From what I understand, capacity mm-hmm. limits are going to be lifted uh, by then. Hopefully it'll be a hundred percent. And, and hopefully that building is going to be rocking. And, and I do believe that the Raptors have been at a disadvantage um, without have And I know that they've only lost one, you know, recent game at home, but you, you go back to the Portland game uh, that they lost at home coming to back from a road trip where you have the energy in that building and you have the, the uh, um, you know, the fans that are on the refs, all those sort of different things. I just think that, you know, those sort of things, you know, that's why you call it a home court advantage, right? And so to me, right. you know, being able to eventually have the, the fans back in, it's just going to be huge. 
Speaking with Matt Devlin as the Raptors get set for the Pelicans tonight in New Orleans, as Matty just said, two games before the All-Star break for the Raptors against New Orleans and Minnesota, and then staying on the road when the break ends. Matty, I, I don't want to beat the drum on the on the same old topic that we had for the last few days post-trade deadline in terms of the bench, the second unit. The one thing I wanted to point out, and, and Jonesy, you and I discussed this a little bit last week. Matty, I'd be interested in your assessment as well. All the talk about the bench and, and you know, is there enough and, and do the starters log too many minutes and all the stuff that we keep hearing, which neither Jonesy nor I seem to buy into. I don't know if you do or not. I look at the fact that every single one outside of maybe Malachi, maybe Malachi, and it's not like he hasn't had chances, every single guy has been given an opportunity this year, an extended right, opportunity in, in, in the starting lineup even for more than a couple of games. Svee, uh, Utah, even even you know Birch, Achua, etc. So it's not like Nick Nurse hasn't given opportunities to these guys, and if ultimately they're not performing to the level that he needs or wants, or if he's feeling something different and he's settling into a rotation that might be a little bit tighter, I don't really have a problem with it. Do you? No, I don't. Um, I do think that you know as the season moves on, based upon uh, where you know you're going to be, you know, seated. You're not going to want, um, you know, everybody playing 40 minutes, right? We know that because of the playoffs that are coming up. And But everybody has been given an opportunity. There's no question. I think it goes back to, you know, the old adage of be a star in your role, right? Be a star in your role. And I think that Chris Boucher is really starting to embrace that. And, you, you know, you love seeing it. Um, because that's how he's going to stay in the NBA for years to come. And then I think, you know, because there's a tremendous amount of responsibility on the offensive end with, as we know, the way uh, the offense is with the Raptors. The ball will touch everybody's hands, but that doesn't mean because the ball is in your hands that, boom, you take that shot, right? You can work it to the other side. Who are you on the floor with? Are you on with you know, Gary Trent Jr., are you on with Pascal? Are you on with Fred and, and or OG and, and find, you know, those players, you know, while you're there? The other thing that I would add to that is the, the one player that, you know, is continuing to grow um, and to understand what is needed on this team is Precious Achua, right? His minutes have gone down, but he's been given an unbelievable, you know, opportunity. But it's it's just really understanding that this team right now with where you are in your career, because it's only his second year, you, you, you're playing as of late 14, 15 minutes, be an energy guy, play great defense, get rebounds, get second chance opportunities. And then when that corner three is there, sure, it's wide open, take it. He has shown over the course of the last two, three weeks that you can knock those down, that he can knock them down, go ahead and take but just kind of understand, and I, and you know, for now, right, this is what is, you know, kind of needed. And, and I think that that will, you know, we'll continue to see him move and grow and, and, and evolve on this team. And, and then I always like the signing of Svi Mihailuk. You know, it's unfortunate, um, you know, that, you know, he hasn't, you know, knocked down the shots, um but he had, you know, he's had that opportunity. Yuta Watanabe's had the opportunity. 
um, Malachi the other night, matchup situation, you know, and Fred not playing, got an opportunity um, and, and played well. And, and just take advantage of those opportunities when they do uh, arise and, and continue to stay ready because you, you don't know when, you know, those opportunities are going to, you know, come, but, you know, take advantage of it. Maddie, appreciate the time today. Thanks as always. And, uh, well, we're not going to see you down at the gym, I guess, uh, for, for a couple of weeks, I suppose. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see you soon. We, yeah, we'll, well, we'll be back March 1, right? So Raptors uh, will be doing the studio games here, and then we'll be back on the road uh, for the television side after the All-Star break is what I understand. So, um, and then from there, we'll be back March 1, Brooklyn. As we know, with the Brooklyn uh, situation, well, the you know, it doesn't look like Kyrie's going to be able to play in that game on March 1. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But maybe, you know, we'll see. So. Who knows? Who knows? Who, Who knows? knows anymore? Who knows? I don't know. Hey, Boston, Boston's, Boston's moving, that's for sure. Eight in a row. <laughs> they are moving. Raptors now yeah. Raptors now yeah. in seventh yeah. after the uh, loss yeah. on the weekend. And to Maddie's point about the Celtics still yeah. climbing, still still winning. The Boston Celtics now occupying that sixth seed as the Raptors are in the play-in. So certainly an important game tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern, against the Pelicans. And you can see it on the TV side with Maddie D. Matt, thanks for this. You got it. Anytime. Happy Valentine's. Thank you. Matt Thanks, Devlin, spreading a little love. Oh, yeah, Valentine's Day. I don't celebrate Valentine's Day, so I kind of forgot to mention it. But, yeah, happy Valentine's Day to anybody out there that, that, that celebrates. Jonesy, my, that's my advice to the, to the men and women out there. I don't, I don't celebrate. I don't celebrate. It's just it, this is, to me, the most commercial day, the most commercial, quote, unquote, holiday out there, more so than Christmas or anything else. Don't buy into it. Don't buy into it. Pick your own day. Randomly with your significant other, pick your own day. September 4th is suddenly now, quote-unquote, Valentine's Day. Make your own day, let alone celebrate each other every single day. Right? Don't buy into this this February 14th thing. Forget it. I'm telling you. And, and then, (laughs) folks, I absolutely 1,000% mean this with, with all my heart, no pun intended, on Valentine's Day. My wife will not be getting a card or a present or nothing. She's just going to get what she would get any other day in terms of my love and respect and yada, yada, yada. We have our own days that we celebrate. Not buying into this February 14th thing. Never have, never will. Well, February 14th, as you said to me, is just is just one other day. The, the, yep. uh, you should be celebrating those people in your life every day. Every day. So, uh, anyway. But they make money off it on a day like today and... It, it creeps into everybody's thoughts just because. Go eat like a heart-shaped pizza or something like that. Just make sure there's no pineapple on it. When we come back. I was going to say, with a little pineapple on the side. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the side is fine. I don't hate pineapple. Just don't put it on my pizza.